Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of Technology Expresso Cafe Radio. Dave and Jacqueline bring you up close and personal to the innovators, contributors, and creative minds in and around technology today. Visit our website portal at www.technologyexpresso.com. There you will find a full list of our broadcasts from all across the technology spectrum, our social media handles, and related content. So sit back with Dave and Jacqueline as they serve up Technology Expresso, fast, hot, and intense. Hello, this is Jacqueline Sanders Blackman. Excited to be with you here. This is the 5th of July, so uh, just had our Independence Day uh, celebration here and ready to move forward and continue conversations here with Coop. Hello, Coop. How are you today? Hello. Doing great. Ready to go. Awesome. Well, you and I have been uh, kind of crisscrossing each other's paths out there doing the good work of business analysis, spreading the good word. Uh, So it's good to be back together and uh, (laughs) talk to you on air. I know. It's a combination of uh, summer vacations and um, just busy road schedules for both of us. This is, you know, it's kind of, I feel like, you know, I, I've said multiple times, I, I can't wait to make this my full-time job, um, me and you doing a radio show together. Um, but it's kind of like, you know, you listen to local radio or stuff on Sirius XM and, you know, the one of the main hosts are, are off around this time of the year, especially in the U.S. because of summer vacations and other things. So I feel like we're, we're just, patterning the um the the big time radio show so and for our our little thing i'm i'm excited that it's getting uh closer and closer to that absolutely absolutely uh you know so like i said it, it's good to be back i know we had some other guests on uh including uh hans and uh, who i know well here and around atlanta um a great supporter and great mind in the business analysis world. So it was it was wonderful that he also had the opportunity to join us and look forward to having him back on the show um, in the future as well. So uh, it, it, we've been making it work, and I'm excited about that. Um, and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, you know, one of the other things that is about to come up, which is what I want to spend some time today sharing with our audience is that you and I will be together uh, live in Atlanta doing a one-day webinar that is, uh, I guess, a seminar. It won't even be a seminar. It's in person. So (laughs) a seminar (laughs) and workshop um, live during the – simultaneously with the BDPA conference that will be in Atlanta. And it's taking place – the conference itself takes place August 10th through the 13th. And we specifically on the 13th, uh, I'm sorry, the 12th, uh, on the 12th, that would be the Friday, we will be doing the workshop. And it's open to the public. It's not just limited to BDPA members or conference goers. You can pay for that separately without paying for the conference. And we're going to, it's going to be a hands-on, interactive, taking a case study. And we're going to be focusing on decision-making, negotiation, strategic thinking, analytical thinking, some of the things that are things that not just business analysts, but that people on the project team have to use and and have in their toolkit at their disposal throughout the life cycle, regardless of what your role is. And and that's one of the things we're going to emphasize at the workshop, people doing different role playing, but seeing how everybody 
has a, a part in it. So I wanted to spend today's show, actually, you and I having a chance to kind of prep the audience for what we're, why we why we even picked that topic uh, for the one-day workshop and, and why each one of these is so important. So, you know, first let me ask you, Coop, when, when we were talking about doing the workshop and, and the thought process and evolution, you know, what, what came to mind and, and what are you excited about uh, as far as us doing the workshop? I think one of the pieces that, you know, when we talked about the, the main chunks, I guess, of of the workshop, um, like it, it doesn't matter what project you're on or what size project or what type, whether it's, you know, brand new development or a COPS project. Um, but there all these skills that we're going to talk about apply to every kind of initiative. So when you think of negotiation skills and you think of strategic thinking and thinking about strategy and, um, and then down into the nitty-gritty of coming up with a solution and the analytical thinking that goes into that and decision-making that goes into all parts and pieces. It was like there's nothing in there that I would say doesn't apply to everybody, right? There's there are certain workshops and there's things that we do um, and there's webinars that we do and workshops that we do that are specific for a type of initiative or a type of person or a role. And I felt like this, is kind of so much broader, and that's that's what was exciting about it. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and I think you know, for me too, one of the things that goes through my mind sometimes is people take some of these areas for granted. And you know, it, it's one thing we all do decision making and negotiation, but when it's on the job and when you're dealing with different personality types and. Um, you know, even the different titles and roles and, and the culture uh, that you work in, you know, some of the things, and, and you and I, we, we, as a matter of fact, we kind of talked about this as we were prepping for the show, is that we take students, for example, in the training class and we, we tell them different things that they need to do and, and go back and their next steps and action items, but then they get back into their natural habitat, so to speak. Right. And then they, mm-hmm. we find that they, they're not, they don't feel comfortable executing these things. And so, you know, it's, you know, it helps to practice. It helps to learn different techniques. And I think even with the workshop, it helps to do the role playing. So, because sometimes people do it's easier said than done. What are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you know it's. Um like like most things you have to to actually do it and experience it to to get a feel and realize that two things one like oh okay i can do it um it's not going to kill me if i actually try it um it's not as intense as i thought it would be um so it gives you that confidence to to try it in house but doing it solidifies the concept i mean i think um, most adult learners learn by doing, um, by touching and doing. You can tell somebody over and over. It's like, you know, driving a car. You can tell someone, okay, here's how you drive a car. My daughter just got her permit, right? And she, we were in the car the other day, and something there was something with the traffic signals. Oh, the it was like a blinking red light where I was. And she's like, oh, you know, treat it like a a stop sign and look both ways. And she was, like, recalling all the things she had to learn for her to get her permit um, test, you know, the a uh, multiple-choice test. But she hadn't started driving it. And I told her, I said, okay, now you have that, but now you actually got to get in the car and experience and see what it's like when you come up to that light and what do you do. And then it's really going to solidify all that stuff. And I think it's it's the same thing with, the work that we teach, um, you can understand a concept, you can read an article, you can read a book, you can hear somebody talk about it, but until you, you know, put pen to paper, until you start, like you're saying, you know, do that role play, that's when it hits. It's like, and you start to get um, a feeling of all the different um, uh, variables that come into play. Right, because in the the work that we do, and you talked about it, we're dealing with different personalities. We're dealing with different people with different knowledge and different experience. And if you don't, if you just read about it um, or hear about it, it's not going to really sink in how you react to all these different situations unless you get chances to to try it and feel comfortable. Um, so, two things that we we're going to try to do is 
uh, and we always try to do, is one, give people the confidence that they have enough knowledge of the skill so that they can go out and try it in the real world, but also in the workshop, give them chances to try it as well. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it's similar to, and even in, um, for example, our essential skills class uh, with B2T, there's a part where we, what we call the, the shark tank, where we kind of, you know, have different scenarios. And one of the things that I like to emphasize with the different participants, whether they're business analysts or whoever, um, I often say, you can't say, well, I'm going to escalate it. You know, not everything is just, you know, passing it up or um, Mm -hmm. passing it Mm -hmm. off. Sometimes you've got to first at least make an attempt to try to resolve it or address or facilitate, whether that's, you know, through the negotiations or the decision-making. And I had found that there were some people that just got really comfortable, well, I'll just escalate it, I'll just escalate it. So I, I watched the students' reaction when I said, and you cannot, you know, one of the answers is, no, you cannot escalate, not right away. I want you to come up with how are you going to help make the, the difference or be the change because, you know, that's one of the things everyone kind of has to start embracing uh, in, in the, you know, the role of change agent. Uh, especially in the world of, you know, agile and, and whether it's informal or formal agile, that every member, you know, needs to be empowered and, you, you know, see something, say something, and do something, you know, type of thing. So I, I think that's so important. And that goes back to also people being cross-trained. I, I think uh, we, a lot of times when we hear about cross-trained, you think, okay, well, a developer will learn some BA skills or a BA might learn to test, a tester might learn some B- But also is some of these other skills, too, these soft skills about helping to facilitate the group to the decision-making process. So I think that there's something for yeah, everyone, yeah. every role. Well, you know, you made me think of uh, – you know, I, I think what people are always trying to figure out well, how can they add more value to their team, or at least they should be thinking, um, <laughs> how can I add more value to the team? And, you know, because that, if you add value to the team, then you're going to be a sought-after team member, and that, that just helps if you want to make more money or if you want to get on to certain projects. You know, it gives you the options to do that if you're a valuable team member. And I think in the end um, – facilitating through conflict is one of those key skills that you add value. And if you think about, um, and I know we've all had experiences calling customer service, right, for for a product or a service that we're having. And if, if at every point there's a conflict and they're like, well, we're going to have to bring my supervisor into it, or we, I'm going to have to escalate that to my manager, hold on, um, then you're no longer adding value, right? I mean, what's the point of you being there? then why, don't, why isn't the manager just in the conversation? And I've been on, you know, customer service calls where my first thing, because I know how um, the organization, the first line of customer service, I know how certain organizations are set up, and those people, that first line support does not have, and they're not empowered to do anything. So my first comment is I need to talk to a manager because I know there's going to be a difference, right? It's not like, oh, I just need to check my order status or um, when is this thing being shipped, right? It's like I know there's going to be quote-unquote conflict. So I'm like, just get, let me talk to a manager. Um, and you don't want to be that type of support person, right? You want to be the person that doesn't just escalate. Um, if you want to add value, you got to figure out ways. And that that's what we're going to be talking about uh, in the workshop. And uh, – there's one other thing I wanted to to add about that. The by escalating, I think you actually put. And I I don't remember if we talked about this before in another podcast, but if you escalate, you're actually putting you know your manager or whoever you're escalating to, you're putting them in a bad situation because they don't have all the information. Um, so you're putting them in a situation where they're going to have to make a decision and they don't have all the data. Um, because you and the the other people that are um, trying to work through, and I say conflict in, it, it's not always that conflict in my, the way I'm thinking about it, it's not always a bad thing. It could be a difference of opinion or can't make a decision. So it's not conflict like there's bad stuff going on, but there's conflict on thoughts of how to move forward. And if you 
um, or difference of opinion. And if you put, if you then escalate, now here's a person coming into the conversation that doesn't have all the background, doesn't have all the knowledge that everybody else in that room had. Um, and they're going to, they're put in a position to make a decision and they're going to do that. And then, uh, there, there could be some backlash because that, you know, other people don't think that's the right decision. And why'd they make that decision? Here's all this information, but they never had that information to make the decision. So it, it puts people, and I'm not saying you never escalate, but you got to be, uh, to your point, Jack, you have to, you got to try, right? I mean, you got to try something and you got to have some <clears throat> tools in your toolbox to try to get to a resolution before escalation. Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, to your to your point there, I totally agree because you really need to read and understand the, the situation because sometimes at that point where you choose to escalate, and, you know, just piggybacking what you're saying too, is that you have to understand what might be the repercussions or how that might be taken because that could be even a way of building up a wall. Like that, okay, that person escalated. Mm-hmm. That person went to my manager. You know, either yeah. I'm going to shut down or I'm going to know that my opinion, I've got to keep it to myself because they'll escalate on me. So you don't want to be yeah. that person that they look at like uh, because it, it may also be seen as being shutting down, you know, the creative process. Because, and that's one of the things is that, Conflict doesn't have to be a bad word. You know, I mean, I think we want to stay professional about the way we do it, but having different opinions, different perspectives are good. But then, and this is where that that skill set of helping people with negotiations and setting up the room to make sure people don't feel like winners and losers and that type of thing, Mm -hmm. um, that's so important. And so, you know, you want to be that facilitator that can take people with different opinions and help them find and keep them focused on what we're all here for and what we're trying to achieve overall. So find that, you know, so that that's just in and of itself. But, you know, when you, you know, decide to push that escalate button, just make sure that have you exhausted all the other <laughs> possibilities because there's, there's connotations that come with it. Yeah, it's like there should be, you know, you just made me think of, that's kind of funny, like the escalation button. It's like a nuclear, you know, weapon. <laughs> you have to have two people to turn the keys at the same time, you know. Yeah. Um, so to that, you know, maybe that's even, uh, you might have hit on like a little uh, tip, right? It's like, um, make you know, one person doesn't escalate. Two people, you know, out of the group have to agree that it's time to escalate, Um and that that might take away some of the, um, you know, the the points that you were making about you get viewed as an escalator, right? Or you're the escalator, and I gotta. <laughs> it's not one person deciding to escalate. Um, that could just be ground rules of a group. It's like two or three people have to hit the escalate button at the same time for us to escalate. If not, we're gonna work through this, right? Um, or find a way to work through this. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, um, and, and, and I wanted to give you a chance, too, to speak about, you know, we, we've got, there's really about three different areas that we're going to cover in the, the workshop. It's going to be broken up really into kind of four different sections. I say three, but four different sections. And so uh, let, uh, let's talk about each of those chunks. So let's start with the one, decision-making, because um, you have some really good views about the decision-making, and you even do a, a workshop about it. So why don't you give the, the context of the decision-making uh, topic? Yeah, I'd love to. I, I can't talk about this enough. Um, and someone just um, on Twitter just uh, last week posted a quote that I had that said, you know, most people think decision-making is uh, – like a tool that you have in your role, uh, in your role, but I actually think it is your role is to facilitate decisions, right? Uh, nothing happens on initiatives unless decisions get made, right? Everybody talk, you know, people talk about um, what, who a good leader is. A good leader is decisive, right? They make decisions. They get as much information as they can. They make decisions at the right time. They learn from those and, and continue. And I think, that if that happened on projects more frequently, uh, that our focus was about decision making, then I think uh, a lot of other things fall into place. Um, so I think 
people should view their role and specifically in you know in the BA space and the business analysis space they should view their role as helping facilitate decisions and you know there we can argue about does the <clears throat> does a business analyst or someone in that role make decisions or are they just helping facilitate i think it, it's a combination um of stuff but the the main piece <clears throat> excuse me the main piece is that they help facilitate decisions throughout the project. So you, um, and one of the things I show in my workshop is like a decision path for projects. Well, uh, one of the decisions that has to be made, and uh, we were just talking about this before the show, is like you have to get agreement on what problem we're going after. What are the objectives? What's the purpose? Why are we doing whatever we're working on? And if you don't, so somebody has to make a decision or a group has to make a decision on what problem are we going after or what opportunity are we going after? What are the objectives that we're going to focus on? And if you don't, right, if you don't make good decisions or if you don't make decisions at that point, then everything else um, on the project is kind of like shooting in the dark. You might do some good things, but there's a risk that you can be totally off um, off the wall. So, you know, I walk through what is the decision-making process um, that people go through and how you can help do that. And, you know, there's really three pieces. There's uh, one is you have to determine what decisions need to be made throughout an initiative. The second is you need to know who um, who the decision-makers are for each of those decisions. And those that could be one person. It could be a group. And one person might be the person making a decision, but they might need feedback from a larger group. And then there's other pieces where, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry about coughing no, in front of no everybody. But I think I'm, I think I'm good. Uh, too much, uh, too much fun at the <laughs> July Fourth celebration. So, um, so, so if you know who the people are, and then. If you know who the people are, then you have to know um, what their criteria is for making decisions. And if you know their correct, so if you know their decision, you know who the people are, and you know what their criteria is. That is the information that you have to go elicit and gather and compile and analyze, and then communicate back to that person with options and ways that they can go. And that's that's how you know. In the analysis space, there's this view of just enough analysis. Like you should be, especially in the, you know, with the influx of agile, it was like, we, you know, analysis paralysis has to die. We can't keep on doing that. So we have to do just enough analysis. But people, nobody can answer the question, well, how do I know I did just enough? Um, and the way you know you did just enough is if a decision can be made, right? So you're doing this work to make decisions. And if decisions get made, then you move on. Stop analyzing it. Stop thinking about it. Move on to the next thing. Uh, and you might have to regroup and uh, address, and you have to evaluate every decision potentially, right, and see, did, you know, did we make the right decision? Was that a good decision? With the new information that we have today, do we need to adjust our decision? But at that moment, you need to move on and and keep going. So, the, the piece where I think BAs also make decisions, they have to make decisions of what work they do, right? Uh, why should they do one thing over another thing? And if they focus on those decisions that they have to help people make uh, and they know the criteria that the people need, that's what drives their decisions to, to decide what type of work they should do and what's most important. If it's helping you get to decisions, then you should be doing it. If it's not, you need to question why I should be doing this thing. Um, so that's kind of my, you know, three-minute overview of decision-making. I don't know if you have questions, Jacqueline, that you think, or people on the line, feel free to call in. Never forget um, uh, to, to call in. What is it? Just press one, right, Jacqueline, and we can get you in. Exactly. You're, <laughs> see, you're, you've been doing this long enough. <laughs> no, I know, if, if I you're, know. <laughs> If you're on the line, you can just press 1. Um, if you are listening from your computer, you dial 714-888-7506 and then press 1. And uh, Javon 
will uh, just patch in just to see if you have a question, and then she'll cue us up so that we can go ahead and open up your line live to talk to, to Coop directly and, and ask either one of us a, a question or make a comment even uh, on the topic. So, again, it's 714-888-7506 if you need to dial in, and if you're already on, just press 1. So absolutely, if you have questions about the workshop or the topics that we're talking about. Um, and let me mention that if you are interested in the workshop, you can sign up at the bdpa.org website. Um, you'll see the calendar of events, and just look for August 12th. Uh, that's the Friday, and you can sign up for the workshop and get all four of those components. It's it, it, we do the breakdown of the components so you'll know the topics covered, but you'll see how they all just dovetail into each other. We're going to use one case study throughout. We're going to do kind of role playing, um, and it's really going to be interactive. It's not going to be a lot of uh, lecture. We're going to show you some techniques and have you actually try them within your group, and we'll be there to kind of coach you through it and, and ask questions and do debriefs. So, um, again, if you're interested in the, the topics, will include decision-making, negotiation, strategic thinking, um, and also analytical thinking. Um, and the, the last thing I just wanted to piggyback off of what you said about the decision-making is, again, sometimes people just take it for granted, but there are different techniques. There's just different ways of thinking about it. And I remember, um, you know, even when I first, when people were saying, well, Sometimes we think that a decision has to be made. We really need to stop and see, do we have more time? Do we have more time to collect more data before that decision has to be made? Um, so find out when does it, when's the, it's absolutely critical that you have to make that decision because sometimes just don't put yourself under that, that pressure and that rush to judgment. And then, then I flip that, and there's times where, that decision has to be made, and sometimes you have to say, based on the information and what we know right now, this is the best decision for this moment. And and accept that, yes, we're, as we learn things or we peel things back and get a deeper uh, dive into it, we may have to revisit those. And that's where, you know, uh, being in so much in the agile world, that's so important that stay open, that we may learn and discover new things. The, I think the biggest mistake is when you make that decision and you become rigid that we've got to stick to this no matter what new information surfaces. And that's just that's where things start to, to fall apart. So sometimes, depending on the timing, is it too soon? Is it too late? Do I have more time? Do I, do I need to make this decision? But with the caveat that if we learn new stuff, we have to – be willing to come back to the table. That that's my thoughts on the on the topic of decision yeah. making. Yeah, no, that's great. And uh especially on the side of uh and somebody asked me about this a few weeks ago, uh about because I I would say, you know, if you have all the data, if you've you know, provided the data, then someone can make a decision, move on, stop analyzing. And they're like, Well what if we get the data you know, on a Monday, we don't have to make the decision until Friday. Should we make the decision on Monday? And my thought is no, right? I mean, don't make the decision to, to until the point um, um, that you you need to, uh, which is the Friday, but you don't keep working on it until Friday. Um, if you have all the information, that's great. Um, but now Monday through Friday, new information might come up, um, you don't have to actively work it, right? But if new information pops up in the conversation, then then include that in the conversation to make the decision on Friday. Um, so it, it, that's where it helps start to – you need to allocate your time, right? Um, if you have all the information on Monday, move on to the next thing that you can be working on. And as new data comes in, then on Friday you make the decision with all that information. But – you don't have to actively be working on it. And that's where I think this this whole mindset helps people um, think about the their daily work, right? I mean, it, you always say that there's more requirements than there is time. So you have to be, you know, conscientious with your time and what you're working on and working on the highest value thing. Well, that this is a way to help you 
a mindset, uh, a tool um, to to focus your effort in a way that you're working on the highest value thing at all times. Absolutely, highest value. I, I, absolutely, you've got to um, keep your your mind and focused on that as well. Um, so important, you know. Um, so to our audience uh, again. We're going to take a quick pause here and so that we can uh, have you learn more about our sponsors. Of course, we've got Coop here with us from B2T Training, the, the president of B2T, uh, and myself, Jacqueline Sanders, Blackman. And we're going to just take a quick pause, and then when we come back, we're going to continue talking about our workshop, uh, the topics to be covered. Uh, so just uh, stay tuned, and we'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by and features B2Ttraining.com. B2T Training has trained and equipped almost 15,000 of the most successful and high-performing practitioners of business analysis since the year 2000. Our courses are developed and taught by the most respected and highest qualified experts in the industry. We know that transforming the way you and your team perform business analysis is not a one-size-fits-all approach. And we understand that your business analysis practice has unique problems and deserves a unique program offering. Using our holistic approach, we will identify the pain points that will result in the best opportunity for your team or organization to realize the change they're trying to achieve. Change begins with knowledge and skills. Our learning events also include ongoing enrichment and reflective activities that provide students the boost they need to sustain their learning and competency. In other words, we make it stick. Get your business analysis training from the most respected and highest qualified source of experts in the industry. Find out more about our public class offerings in various U.S. locations or call to speak with one of our training solution sales associates toll-free at 866-675-2125. Follow us on social media and visit www.b2ttraining.com. That's B, the number 2, ttraining.com and see our full course outlines, blog, and free downloadable resources. We get it. We'll help you get it too. Awesome. And we're back. This is Jacqueline Sanders Blackman. Um, Coop and I are going to be with you for the next half hour. Today is a 60-minute uh, broadcast. So if you've got questions, go ahead and put your finger on the dial. Go ahead and dial us, press 1, um, and you won't be thrown straight into the queue. Javon will uh, touch base with you first, so don't be nervous that you're just going to be thrown on the air live. But she'll queue you up, make sure that you have a question, and then she'll turn you over to us, and uh, we'll be happy to entertain your questions or comments on our topic today. And what we're talking about is some of the some very important core skills uh, that everyone on the project team needs. And, um, and in a lot of cases, even around since we talked to a lot of business analysts, these are important skills for us to always hone and to make sure that we have. And something you said, Coop, was have the confidence. And sometimes that's what the extra practice comes in. It's, it's not a matter of how many years you've been doing it. But at any point in time, you know, there's new techniques and just, you know, people who sharing things that have worked for them because you run into so many different circumstances and the different people, cultures, personalities, different projects all bring their own little mix of, of challenges. So you always got to be stocking your toolkits with different ways to and, and just being creative to kind of break out of sometimes habits that the team or the organization has gotten into to, to so that you can move forward and uh, have breakthroughs. So, you know, we talked about on the first half, decision-making. The next one is negotiation, and they're, they're kind of cousins, I feel like. You know, they're, they're kind of related. Mm-hmm. But negotiation, it, it, there's a, it's very important, and a key word there that we often use is consensus. So, Talk to talk to us uh, in your opinion, Coop. How negotiation and how it's related, and then also how it's different. Well, I, I think, um, and you used, uh, you brought up the word consensus, and I, I think 
that is a good word, but I think it gets uh, misinterpreted sometimes. Um, the and that when I ask people about this in some sessions that I do, uh, I say, what, "What does consensus mean to you?" And some people will say, "Everybody has to agree," or uh, "Majority of people have to agree," or um, "Everybody has to feel good about the solution and or the the decision or the uh, the topic, whatever it is." And I think. Um, that last definition is really accurate for consensus, but um, so uh, instead of using consensus because I think it gets misinterpreted sometimes, um, I like to use the word buy-in, that people have to buy in, um, and other people have used the term uh, something that they could live with, right? That So that what that means is buying into something and something that you can live with doesn't necessarily mean that you that was your decision or that was your idea um and even though that you maybe you don't necessarily agree that that is right but you're you'll buy into it and you'll stay committed to it and i think that's what and you're right to me negotiation decision making it's all about um their their cousins or it's all around the uh, same topic uh, all around the same thing because when you're you know, you have different stakeholders that you're working with, um, and it might be, you know, the business stakeholders that, you know, you have to make a, a decision on which uh, which feature to, to go with. Do we go start with one or do we start with two? And you have to negotiate with the different parties um, and be a mediator kind of to, to help everybody get to that point. And to me, you're helping that. You're negotiating to get to a decision. Um and it's the same thing. You might have developers that have different ideas on how to design something. Um, you might have to be part of that negotiation as well and what's the best way. And what you're trying to do is not necessarily get everybody to agree um, 100%, that, uh, but you're trying to get everybody to buy in that that is the route we're going to take. And if everybody's bought in, then they are in a position to help support it um, and commit to it and go for it. Um, and even though, you know, they're – and then in the end, not even point fingers back and say, I told you so. I knew we should have went this route and not that route. Um, so I like to use the word buy-in. And I think, you know, that – and it's another thing um, that I like to talk about is, well, how do you do that? And if, if you want a lot more information, there's a great book called um, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni. Um, and this is where, you know, I use a lot of – I love – the way he writes, I like how he addresses uh, some common topics, um, and this is one of them around how do you get people bought in and committed to, to different solutions, um, and he covers a lot of this. And so one of the big things he talks about is first having a trusting team, right? I mean, people need to trust each other, um, and he talks about trust uh, in a way that is people will trust that if you share an idea if you have a thought that you trust that nobody's going to uh, judge you for it or point fingers or make you look stupid, um, you know, any way. So it's not the trust in that if I say, hey, Jacqueline, um, can you get this, can you review this document I sent to you by tomorrow, um, then, and I trust that you will review it by tomorrow. It, that, that's not the trust he's talking about. It's more that feel good that I can trust somebody, I can share something, and they um, are open to my idea, will really consider it, uh, won't make me look foolish for it, that kind of thing. Um, so, and so if you have that level of trust, then you can have really good, healthy conflict. Um, and that is where everybody can be sharing ideas and getting their point across and really pushing and trying to influence others towards their, their viewpoints. Um, and then if you have healthy conflict, after that, uh, some decision has to be made. And if you had the opportunity to share your views, you're more apt to buy into something, even if the, the group doesn't go or the person that's making the decision doesn't go with your idea, you're more apt to buy into it knowing that you were able to get your thoughts out. And, and I, I use the example a lot of me and my wife deciding to move to this area in Atlanta. Um, the city's called Decatur. And the reason we did is because they had a smaller school system so we moved from a county system that had, you know, where there was 100,000 kids and I don't know how many families that makes up to, 
you know, 7,500 kids in a whole system. So it's a much smaller school system. We have access to the superintendent. We have access to, to all the principals. We can go to meetings, and your voice could be heard. Um, so I feel comfortable that not that I agree with every decision that's made in the school system, but I feel comfortable I have the opportunity to share my viewpoints. And at that point, uh, even though the decisions don't go the way I like 100% of the time, at least I feel comfortable that my voice was heard um, and I can buy into the decisions going forward. And I can make a change maybe in how I serve up my information to try to influence more people or try to make an impact. So so I think if you do that, um, then you're, the group is more apt to – that's the environment you want to set up, and then the group is more apt to, to get to a point of buy-in and move forward. And there's, there's one more point I want to just talk about around that healthy conflict, Jacqueline, is, and this is really important because there's, there's other conflict, right, in conversations. There's the nasty conflict where people are rude to each other, um, and hopefully nobody is in that situation. Uh, and then the, the other extreme of conflict is no conflict where just everybody says yes, right? Somebody says something, everyone's like, yep, good idea, let's move on. That's not good either, right? Because then if you have no conflict, um, those are the situations. You know you're having there's not good enough conflict when you walk out of a meeting and everybody is having a side conversation. Like, oh, I can't believe he brought that idea up. That's not going to work. You know, um, I can't see how that's going to happen, blah, blah, blah. Um, so those those two are extreme. And you want to be right smack in the middle where people are sharing their ideas and getting passionate about it. The the challenge, though, to really get to good conflict is you can't be afraid to dip into onto the side of the negative conflict, the, the harsh conflict. And that could happen, right? When people are getting excited and sharing their ideas, you can – cross the line a little um, into where it could seem to where people are getting forceful um, and really getting passionate. It could feel like we're getting, you know, towards the, uh, the, the rude conflict, the bad type of conflict. And, but you have to be okay to cross that line and then self-correct and bring the group back to that, that middle ground. And that's when, when you can hit that, um, then I think teams can really excel. Um, and really buy into things and commit to things and, and move things forward. So I'll, I'll end there and let you chime in. Yeah. No, no, and and you know I'm I'm just thinking about some of the the even many workshops that we've done and whether it's in, in the classroom setting as offshoot of some of the exercises we do in the and it's really even as a facilitator and an instructor. It's good to see when classes and participants experience that for the first time, and you can kind of coach and point out to them because it may be occurring in their their real world, but they don't necessarily get to stop and get that immediate kind of debrief to look at, okay, look how that worked versus how this worked. And one of the things that I also want to throw in the mix there uh, when it comes to negotiation, and you said this word earlier, was knowing what your criteria is, you know, setting your ground rules mm-hmm. even ahead of time. So I, you know, I often joke in, in general about software development life cycle, you know, know who the decision makers are. Make certain decisions up front while we still like each other. <laughs> That's what yeah, I, right. you know, yeah. I say that. It's like, well, everybody's in a good mood and we haven't even got into the topic. Let's talk about what our rules are going to be. <laughs> and then what's our decision-making criteria? And and keep that, in, and that's for the facilitator to leverage that when we start going down a, a particular road. It's like, okay, let's bring it back and let's think about what are we really trying to achieve? What are we trying to get out of this? It's not I like or you like or that was my idea, that wasn't your idea. Does it, you know, fit into our criteria? Does it get us closer to meeting our objectives? Right. So. That that's so important. That that setup is very important. I think that all of that will definitely come out in the the workshop. So that that's the only thing that I want to to add along those lines. Yeah, so, yeah, I love. And you said that to me before about uh, let's make these decisions while we still like each other. I think it's <laughs> it, even though you have to work through the times where it gets tense. Um, if you can do things up front that um, while everybody's still excited and 
jazzed about the project and there hasn't been points of disagreement, um, then it's, it's a good time to, to get that done up front. And I think, you know, one thing that's important with all the stuff we're talking about, um, and you kind of alluded to it, is that, like, as the uh, person facilitating some of this stuff, you have to make it visible what these, this decision criteria is or what the decision filters that we run this stuff through, what are they? And don't assume that everybody knows, remembers what those were at the beginning of initiatives, right? Um, it's real easy to, uh, to make a decision and say, oh, okay, so this is what we're going to base decisions off of. And then, you know, now you're into the weeds and the, all these conversations are going on and everybody's kind of battling back and forth. And it, it could easily be solved sometimes with just saying, wait, time out. What was our decision criteria? What were we trying to do? Um, and does which one of these fit better? Uh, and people just forget about that stuff. I mean, I could even, you know, simple examples of uh, a trip I just went on with my family to California. We had, at a high level, different types of things that we wanted to do. We wanted to do adventurous stuff and hiking and that kind of thing. But then when we were actually on the trip and we there were different decisions we could make on what to do, we would always go back to that and say, okay, you know, our goal was to be adventurous. Do we do A or B? And is A more adventurous than B? And, oh, yeah, it is. Okay, then we're going to take A. Let's do it. Um, so, but if you, it's easy to forget about those things. It's easy to forget about the objectives of an initiative, you know, and that's what happens. People are like, they know, oh, we have to write objectives. And uh, although sometimes they're not as clear and uh, concise as they should be, when, even when they are, if you don't go back to those things and use those, then it's not adding the value that you need to. Exactly. That, and that's, that's a great example. Like you said, your, your family vacation, something like that. You set out and then you get caught up in the moment. Next thing you know, it's like, okay, we're falling back into our same pattern. Where we use, you know, And so bring them all right. back to like, no, 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 we said. <laughs> and, and you're right, absolutely right. right. Exactly. And, and that that's important on projects too. I say that to people and sometimes they're like, well, we did the objectives in the beginning. You're gonna you're gonna have to say it often, <laughs> and you know right. you're gonna have to you know keep keep saying it. it. Um, you know, put it out there at the beginning of meetings, on meeting notes, on meeting invites, the objectives, the goals, that type of thing. Um, you yeah. know, mm -hmm. every every step of the way. You know, every sprint. You know, tie it back to what was our objective. What are what what are we gonna get? You know, overall out of this particular sprint when it comes to agile. So. Um, people are beginning to, to see that and just need to incorporate it and make it part of their, their culture. So also, I mean, you know, our, our listeners today are getting some great tidbits and, like I said, uh, even more so just experiencing it via the, the workshop um, on August 12th. And, again, you get both Coop and I live, uh, and it will be in downtown Atlanta at the Peachtree Weston is the location. And it's going to be in conjunction with the BDPA uh, conference and so if you are a BDPA member, you do get a discount. Go check out the the website. If you're not and you want the discount, you can become a BDPA member. But it's open <laughs> to the public, and you don't have to pay for the conference fees if you just want to take the workshop. And we already have some people um, from around Atlanta that are taking advantage of that. So so join and, and and be a part of that. Again, our topics related to decision making, negotiation that we just went through. Um, and I know that you and Hans, the the audience can listen to the episode. So that you and Hans did, which was, and I think you guys talked a lot about strategic uh, thinking, strategic versus tactical, and maybe you just want to give a, a, a quick blurb, and then they, you know, they can listen to the show with you and Hans because I know Hans had a lot of great tidbits on that as well. Yeah, yeah, I think you know some of the the highlights of the show, and Hans is it was great having him on because he's got a great mind and uh, a great way of thinking about things and his ability to to help it make sense for everybody. So definitely try to go back and listen to that um, episode. But I think some of the, you know, some of the key things were that everybody should be doing strategic analysis and should that should be in their head. So, I mean, I think a lot of people think, oh, wait, I don't do strategy. I'm uh, a project 
person. Um, and, you know, Hans and I both brought up that that shouldn't be the case, that you should always be validating and making sure you understand what the strategy is. So even if you're not a person, you know, day in, day out, focusing on strategy, that you need to make sure you understand what the strategy is. And you need to, if you don't, uh, push to to get to the right people to understand strategy. Because if you don't, then you you fall into the trap of, you know, shooting in the dark. Um, uh, and that, to, you know, you've said it a number of times, and we talked about it on the, the our pre-call, um, about that if you don't have that information, then it's really difficult. You're kind of spinning with a lot of things. And it gets, you know, to us talking about decision-making, it gets hard to make decisions because you don't have that anchor to, to make decisions off of. Um, so that that was a big piece of it, and I think a lot of people like um, like are like, well, I, I don't deal in strategy, so I don't need to know about it. But that's so far from the truth um, that you might not be the person working on strategy, and you don't need to know those tools, you know. And there's some ways that you can uh, help develop strategy, like using design thinking to to develop a strategic vision for something. You might not need to know those, but you you definitely need to be aware of how do you validate a strategy and understand a strategy. So that was a big part of it that, that I think is valuable to, you know, a, a broader audience. Exactly. Absolutely. And, and totally agree with you that, that people have to, within their own mindset, not limit themselves that, okay, I was given this, I was told to do this, I'm just going to head right. down, focus on this and, and not ask any questions. You know, you and I just talked, you know, people sometimes approach me uh, for engagements as far as helping them. And one of the main things, for example, in Agile is, can you help us break down user stories? And where do I go? I step back and say, okay, let me understand what we're trying to achieve. Why are we doing this? That type of thing. So it's like before you can break it down, you got to know what the big picture is, where we're trying to go here, so that when the pieces come back together, they 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 um you know roll up into strategically what we were trying to accomplish. And so you know even though the conversation may start out with look at this piece here and break it down and make it smaller and that type of thing, you know, down in the details. I've got to have that context. And, and um, you know, that's just something that people have to understand is that they're, you know, when all is said and done, if they're not, you know, repeatedly not hitting their mark, it's not because they didn't break something down the right way. It's a, a lot of times points back to we didn't understand what we were trying to accomplish to begin with. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, so everyone in, in every role. And if you don't believe us now, then that's the reason to come to the workshop. You know, you can come, you can disagree with us, but we've got plenty of examples. So we would love that too if, if you don't feel that that's the case. And or, you know, call into the show, write into the show even, um, and we'll read your, your comments. Again, you can write to technologyexpresso at gmail.com. And then also Coop and I are both active on Twitter. Coop is at K-U-P-E, so Coop um, on Twitter, and myself at Requirements Pro. So talk to us. We we love feedback, and, you know, if you disagree, we'd like to hear different sides. We're, we're open to negotiation. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, my mind can be changed, right? Um, yeah, I, don't, I, have, I have strong opinions, but um, that doesn't mean uh, someone can't sway me one way or another, so. Definitely. I mean, then that's how we learn, right? I mean, we're constantly learning that way and and challenging each other. Yeah, I have a when I do webinars and and set you know one hour sessions, I have a a joke because I I want people to tweet about you know things that they're hearing, and I'll say if you you know hear some great things that you love, go ahead and tweet. Use my uh, handle at Coop. Uh, But if you don't agree with it, just keep it to yourself. Um, Right. And and then I joke like, no, actually, I want you to. Um, share everything, and I think that the way we learn is not just agreeing with everything that we hear. It's challenging and trying to come up with better ways. And you know, you, well, you said something that made me think of you know a big part of our workshop and all of it, and a lot of the things we teach and a lot of the other webinars we do, and what we're trying to do with this radio show is to help everybody be better critical thinkers. Um, mm-hmm. 
there's a lot of buzz about critical thinking these days. But, you know, in the end, uh, you know, you said the uh, term or comment around don't just believe everything you see. Um, you have to validate it and make sure you understand it. And that's what a good critical thinker is, right, making sure that um, you look at the the information you have and uh, validate that it makes sense and you just don't – just because somebody, the strategic department, came and said, here is our strategy, don't just take that word for word and, and move on, right? Um, and that's a good critical thinker. So all the, the skills that we're teaching are – how to be better critical thinkers and, and better problem solvers. Absolutely. And as I, I watched the time, you know, our, our fourth topic actually was the analytical uh, thinking, so to speak. And I think critical, analytical, analytical and critical thinking, I think you kind of summarized them, them both in, in what you just said, you know, because that's part of what's analytical is when you get a piece of information is to break it down, dissect it, question mm-hmm. it, you know, kind of do – some detective works, and, and one of the things that I teach right. and, and talk about in my class, too, is that the first place that you have to apply your analytical skills is not just on the, the problem that we're trying to fix. First, you have to analyze your team, your teammates, your stakeholders, the, the context of the, the project, and just understand, okay, which approach should I use? Do I need to be, you know, I often talk about do I need to be heavy-handed or is this one where mm-hmm. everyone already has, you know, consensus, they kind of understand the problem? Is this one where, like you said, I might have groupthink, so i got to go a different direction, but I'm analyzing at all times you know, where we are in the project, the people, how everyone's interacting. I'm using analytical at all those different points along the way. And so could other people in whatever role they're in. So any any final comments on analytical thinking? As in, and I know, like I said, you hit a lot of them when you were talking about critical thinking. Right. Now, the, the other piece, and uh, I mean, I like the way you – you talk about that analytical thinking goes beyond just like project requirements, right? I mean, it's there's so many other things to to think about, and I think it is about breaking things down. And you know, your uh, technology espresso is you know helping uh, people in the the world to to focus on STEM. You know, learning about. Um, STEM program, science, technology, engineering, and math, you know, and how it applies to the stuff they're learning in grade school or primary school and how it applies to to our world and in real life and how you use it. And, you know, your math, that's what math is all about, I think. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, you look at a word problem in math and it's about breaking that down into chunks of what you know and what to attack first and what do we – what assumptions are we making and how should we go about this, right? Um, and that's what you're learning when you're learning math um, and the higher orders of math. And so it's not – and that's why I always felt like I always tried to push myself in math. I got to a certain point where I just – it was beyond me. Um, but, you know, the, the higher I went, the more of that you kind of learn. Um, and it's like advanced calculus I never used in my day-to-day Life, but it was like how to analyze problems and then try to solve them. I mean, that's the same thing we try to do, and that's analytical thinking. It's um, so that's how I think that you know our show applies to the the broader uh, goal of Technology Expresso um, and, and where it comes into play. And I think everybody needs to think like that. People need to be able to decipher what they see in front of them, what information they have, what information they need to get, and then where to start, right, and and see what happens. Uh, so I know we're uh, bumping up on time. So <laughs> Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, and, and just to our audience in general, there's there's a lot to cover. There's, you know, these are some great areas that apply to all different roles and just to make you a uh, more valuable team member in whatever your role is. And then having the atmosphere where, you can have coaching and feedback real time and just seeing, you know, the interaction and the lessons learned as we break everyone up into teams and, and talk about from all the different perspectives of the, the teams uh, what 
they got out of it, what they experienced, and even coaching and learning points that Coop and I will pick up. It just really will be a great opportunity for you to pick up on some skills um, learned from both Coop and I as well as from those participating in the audience because we often, you, you know, we, we learn as well from our audience. So we really enjoy uh, I love the interactive uh, workshops, and we're really excited about setting up the, the case study for you. And, uh, again, the date is August 12th. It's on a Friday. Um, so a great learning opportunity. There will be CDUs or PDUs that you can earn uh, as a result of this. So if you're whether in project management or uh, part of the IIBA, uh, there's an opportunity for you to get your, your credits for either of those. But just really excited. I think it's going to be really great. I, I you know We already know the, the case study, so I think it's going to be quite intense uh, in a lot of different ways, and we like putting little twists and turns in it. So, um, you know, if you have any other questions about it, again, you can reach out to uh, myself or Coop, direct message us, um, and or send a message over to b2ttraining.com. They'll also be, uh, they can field questions. My email address specifically is jsanders at b2ttraining.com. That's B, the number two, T, then training.com. And Coop, I think you are just Coop at B2Ttraining.com. Do I have that right? That's right. Yeah, make it easy. Yeah. <laughs> K-U-P-E, K-U-P-E at b 2 There you go. Well, thank you, Coop, for your time today. Time flies when you're talking business I analysis, I guess. That amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always but, amazing. Um, like I, you know, there's some, some shows I'm always like, I don't know. You know, we can have enough to talk about for an hour, an hour and a half, and then before you know it, it's like, poof, it's gone. Exactly, exactly. So great time, and we'll be touching base with you in, in another two weeks, and uh, then uh, then we'll be at the, the workshop before we know it. So uh, I hope right. to meet some of you in person. But in the meantime, awesome. thank you, Javon, for supporting us as well. And Javon has uh, a couple of ads to let you know about upcoming events and some more of our sponsors. So, again, thank you, Coop, for your time. Thank you to all of our audience. Email us, send us messages, send us comments. We'd love to hear from you. For now, that's all for this week. Hello, Tech Expresso listeners and BDPA members. Are you interested in gaining a micro-certification in negotiation strategy and analytical thinking? If so, join Coop Cooper-Smith of B2T Training and Jacqueline Sanders-Blackman of Technology Expresso, August 12, 2016, 8 a.m. at the Westin Peachtree Plaza in Atlanta, Georgia. Here, you will find a four-part hands-on workshop that will take an in-depth look at a list of problem-solving techniques and analytical approaches that would deliver solutions to address problems. So, if you are an executive, a business analyst, or a project manager, or any other team member involved in the development process, you don't want to miss this opportunity. Visit bdpa.org events to register today. As always, thanks for listening to Tech Expresso Radio. The 2016th Second Annual Pink Tech Awards Luncheon will be held Saturday, August 13th from 11.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. at the Westin Peachtree Plaza in Atlanta, Georgia. Come out and join us as we honor women who have gone far beyond the call of duty to help open doors for other women to be able to reach high levels of success. The honorees come from all levels of the corporate ladder, from science, technology, engineering, art, and the mathematical communities. You can visit Eventbrite to reserve your seat today. Don't miss this grand occasion. Again, this event will be held August 13th of 2016 from 11.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. at the Westin Peachtree Plaza in Atlanta, Georgia. Reserve your seat today. You have been listening to Technology Expresso Cafe Radio. For a full list of our podcasts, social media handles, and upcoming shows, visit our web portal at www.technologyexpresso.com. Join our text club 
and get monthly alerts of upcoming events and initiatives. Text the phrase full steam ahead to 41411. Financial support and donations of any denominations are welcome. Your contributions help us sustain and reach undeserved communities who benefit from the many programs, role models, and technologists that we showcase. Thanks to our sponsors, partners, and thank you, our listeners. And remember, we encourage you to listen, learn, leverage, launch. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.